Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. We'll figure it out. God's so good to us. Uh, Let's lift our hands and worship him one more time. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 God, we love you so much, Lord. You're so worthy of everything, Lord. God, we praise you. Move on us. Touch us, Lord. God, put fire down in our soul today, Lord. God, put a desire down in our heart to give you our best today, Lord. God, to lift you up, to magnify you, to show you off to a world that's lost, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. So thankful to be in the house of the Lord, thankful to be with your pastor, his wife, his daughter, and this wonderful church family. You may be seated. God is so good. We're just thankful to be here with our family. And just, it's been a long time coming, but it just feels so good. It feels like home. Amen. Uh, I'm going to sing a song called Down From His Glory. I have a little history with this song. The first time I heard this song, we were living in Houston, and Brother Aber was going to Bible college. I was working at Search for Truth, and I'm sure you've seen a Search for Truth chart in your lifetime or Light for Living. I was working for that company, and uh, Brother Aber and I went to a Spanish church. He was asked to speak at this Spanish church, and there was a brother playing the drums, and he was singing what I thought was the most beautiful, song I had ever heard it was down from his glory I didn't even I had never heard it in English but I before I even knew any Spanish I said I'm gonna learn that song I love that song that's a beautiful song and so the next day I went to work at search for truth and I worked with a girl from Columbia and I said have you ever heard this song that goes you know and I hummed it for her. she said oh yes you know it's like an old song and so I began to write like if if it was el I just write l if it was K, you know, like in Spanish, it's Q-U-E, I would write the letter K. I said, I'm going to learn this, however I got to do it. And I started singing that song. It was kind of like my signature song, I guess. And then in the late 90s, we were blessed to go to Ecuador when the Lassiters were there. And so we went out to, I think it was uh, Santo Domingo, where the uh, they had some Indians there, the Cal- Colorado Indians, and they all had dyed their hair red. I fit right in in this area. <laughs> I was just one of their own, (laughs) but I was privileged to sing this song, and I think later that evening, like 385 people got the Holy Ghost, not because of this song, because of the Lord, amen, but this song has a beautiful message, and I just love the Lord, amen. I've been serving the Lord since I was 16 years old, and it wasn't the fear, it wasn't a fear, like a knee-knocking fear that has kept me all these years, it's a love for God. And we love him because he first loved us. And let's just reciprocate that love to him. Oh, how I love him. Y'all worship today.
aplauso fuerte Él es digno de ser alabado Gloria a Dios I'm sorry. Technology again. I can't operate my iPad. KK and uh, and uh, Ray Ray can uh, do their iPhones and everything, and I, I don't even know what they're doing. They're saying, "Papa, play." I, how am I going to play? I don't even know how to. My fingers don't work that way. My thumbs. But uh, if we really knew what God was doing for us and what God has done for us, what a blessing it would be. Amen. Because he loved us so much. And there's one thing that God, uh, God is love. That's first, that's what we got to come to the place to understand. God is love. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, if you're full of God, you can't, you can't do anything but love people. And a cup full of sweetness, no matter how hard it's joked, it can spill nothing but sweetness. Amen. And so I'm telling you that when you get close to God, there's nothing that my God can't do. And uh, we need to understand that whatever situation we're in, whatever trial comes, whatever temptation comes, temptation is not a sin. It's what it draws out of us. It either draws out of us to sin or draws out of us to draw closer to God. So when you're tempted, don't let the devil make you think you're backslidden. You're not backslidden. It should just be drawing out you to get closer to God to give you the answers to the situations you're in. Amen devil wants to confuse us and that's what the bible says that that he's come to kind of confuse us in any way that he can and when we think with our human minds when we think with humanity uh, our whole life is nothing but a bunch of horizontal uh, uh, actions and a horizontal lifestyle instead of a vertical relationship with God. And when you're in this horizontal atmosphere, you're seeing everything that's bad. You see all the traffic when you're caught up in it. You see the road work. You see the homeless. You see all. See, that's when we live in the in the horizontal. But God's trying to get us as a church to come to the place where we live for Him in the vertical to to be able to lift up. Our our eyes and see what he's going to do for us amen not depend on the horizontal to give me answers they won't but boy the vertical relationship with God will give you that and the tragedy of today is that the situation is desperate but not so much the saints we see everything that's happening we see all the world crumbling we see uh, the devil has pulled that final thread out of that blue jean uh, Levi and, the, and also now the knee splits open we're seeing that happen that's what's happening in America that's what's happening around the world we're seeing this thing get turned around so fast and and it, it, it's sad that that the situation is desperate but the saints we still aren't quite as desperate as we need to be amen we need to think Jesus we need to talk Jesus we need to walk with Jesus amen we need to pray and ask God to give us a vision of the people that are lost 2 Timothy 3.13 says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So we see that evil men and seducers, they're going to wax worse and worse. This world, we see it waxing worse and worse. And they're trying to deceive, amen? They're wanting to deceive you to think, well, it's okay. Well, as long as you don't bother me. Well, it's starting to bother all of us now, isn't it? I remember when we stood up against things way back then. And, and uh, oh, well, if they want to get married, they can get married. Or if they, uh, you know, as long as they don't affect me. But now it's affecting every area of our life, amen? And that's why God... God wants us to get serious. He wants us to get vertical with him. Amen. 
He wants us to walk with him. Amen. He wants us to have a little talk with him. That's what I like about Jesus. When you're in relationship with Jesus and you have that vertical relationship, you can just have a little talk with Jesus when time comes. You don't have to oh, pray through and ask God to forgive you for all your sins. Man, when you're walking with him, you just have a little talk with Jesus. I need you. I need, to, I need you to come down and touch me and strengthen me and give me wisdom. Amen. text is going to be Isaiah 50 verses uh, 10 and 11. So uh, this is an important scripture and, and uh, I'm going to ask Sister Abra to read that and I'll come back to it. Go ahead. Who is among you that feareth the Lord? Who is among you that feareth the Lord? Who of you really fear the Lord? I'm not talking about knee knocking and scared and, and fingernail biting. I'm talking about who and you are in awe of God. That song down from his glory. All of y'all were in awe, man. All of y'all were lifting your hands. You could feel the power of God because we were talking about the one that came down from glory. We were talking about the one that died for us, amen. And did you feel the glory? That's our knowledge of him. When we acknowledged him and she acknowledged him in that song, it gave us this glory that nothing can give us, that nothing can take away. You got to understand that. You got to know God, okay? So Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah, excuse me, 11, 10, uh, and 11 says, Who is among you that feareth the Lord? That obeyeth the that obeyeth the voice of his servant God puts a pastor over us for a reason because he has to give an account for us amen he's going to be able to give you knowledge and understanding he's going to be able to open up things to you he's going to be able to clarify things to you when everybody's in darkness go ahead that walketh in darkness that walketh no in light. darkness I notice that walketh in darkness and hath, no and hath no light so who among you that feareth the Lord that obeyeth the voice of a servant but notice what it says that walketh in darkness and hath no light. There's going to be times when you're going to walk in darkness, as Pastor would say, and you're not going to have light. There's going to come a time when you're in darkness. Amen. Notice what he goes on to say. Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and in something peculiar right here. And stay upon his God. And stay upon his God. In other words, don't you ever leave his side. Don't you ever walk away from him. Don't you ever push him aside and let him become secondary when he should be primary. Amen. I like that. Uh, verse 11. Behold, all you that kindle a fire. He said, now there's going to be some of you that are going to kindle your own fire. That can pass yourselves about with sparks. <laughs> can pass yourself about with sparks, man. You're starting your own fire. I, I can do this on my own. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a church. I, I, I don't need, I can do this on my own. That's what he's telling you right here. He's telling you, behold, all ye that kindle the fire that can pass themselves about with sparks. That walk in the light of your fire. That walk in the light of your fire. I got news for you. I was a Boy Scout. And if you didn't keep feeding that fire, that fire would go out. It was a man-made fire. And it would go out. You'd be back in darkness. For a while we had light. Enough to roast a marshmallow. That was way before s'mores came along. And, and all of a sudden now, uh, you see these people here, they're making their own fire. And they're, they're, they're doing it themselves. And notice, and the sparks that they have kindled this shall ye have of mine hand, God said. This is what you're going to have. You shall lie down in sorrow. You may be seated. I want to preach for a little while about develop 
faith is developed in the darkness. Faith is developed in the darkness. We wonder why we go through darkness. We wonder why we have problems. We wonder why we have trials. It's because that's where our faith is developed. That's where we understand in the darkness, you understand that God is in control of your life, that you can't do anything about it. And if you try to make your own fire, it's going to burn out. You're going to get depressed. You're going to get mad. You're going to leave the church. Oh, it ain't what it's supposed to be. I look around and no, 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 that's the problem. You're looking around, you're horizontally. Start looking vertically and let God do something in your life. Let God change your situation. Let God change your way of thinking. Let God turn your life around. In the midst of a world that's falling apart, the church is going forward. Amen. I think I've told you all this story before about Secretariat at the Churchill Downs. Every quarter mile he ran, that horse ran, every quarter mile he got faster and faster and faster. And when he finished the, the, the when he crossed the finish line, he was going faster than any other time he had started that race. But every quarter he got faster and faster and faster. And what I'm trying to tell you today is, is that we are on the verge of going forward, amen? God doesn't want us to just kind of, uh, in these last days, just kind of slow down. He doesn't want us to get bogged down with the affairs of this life. He wants us to accelerate. That horse accelerated, and nobody's ever broke that horse's record. You know why? Every quarter mile, he accelerated. He accelerated. He accelerated. God's wanting this church to accelerate. That's why y'all have that, that church going on last night. They're trying to accelerate, trying to go forward. I can't help what's behind me. I don't know what anybody else is doing. It's not my concern because I'm looking up vertically to God. Amen. Somebody say praise the Lord. So in other words, what he's saying is watch out if you live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires. You'll soon fall down in great distress and despair. And during that time, during that time, your faith will become drained, dried out, distorted, and then you'll be defeated by the darkness that's around you. You'll say, there's no hope. I, I, I can't get back. And the devil's trying to tell you, oh, you failed God. Uh, you, you know what, devil? You don't know anything, anything about God or you wouldn't be in the situation you're in. Don't, don't tell me about my God. I know my God. Amen. That's what Paul said. I know in whom I believe. Amen. So faith is developed in darkness. Plenty of church members are shaky about what they believe while not many are shaken by what they believe. We need to get shaken by what we believe. Amen. I got medicine at the house that the doctor gave me and it said shake well before using. Right? And I believe that's what God's doing in the church at this time. He's going to shake us real well so he can use us. Amen. And if you don't allow God to shake you, if you don't allow God to touch you, if you don't allow God to break something in your heart that explodes out with worship, you need to let God know, I need to get there, God. I need your help. I'm not going to let somebody else worship God. I'm going to worship God. Praise the Lord, you may be seated. The medical field has learned how to lengthen life, but they don't know how to deepen it. See, that's the problem. Everybody, oh, this knowledge that this world has, and all these doctors are so smart, and, and they got these treatments that can lengthen your life, but they can't deepen it at all. That's the problem. The problem with society is not uh, in their mind, it's in their heart, amen? It's in their heart. God has to get a hold of your heart. He needs to change your heart, the Bible says. And when he does that, then things begin to change. 
So notice Jeremiah 23 and 24. We sang down from his glory, but a lot of times that's his words, but not today. Y'all worshiped. Y'all exploded in worship. Y'all lifted. You felt the anointing of the glory of God. You hear what I'm saying? See, we can glow. There's, there's football players and there's uh, baseball players that are hitting home runs and everybody's glorying them. Oh, they're so great and everything. And, and they, they got somebody in this world to glory, but that glory is short-lived. Amen. But notice what happens. Here's what God tells us is our glory, church. I know women's glory is on their head, but that's because of their position with God. But what is our glory? What is every one of us in here today? What is our glory? Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. He said, don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let the mighty man, let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the uh, mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. He said, don't you let the rich man glory in his riches. He said, all those things are going to pass away because they're all, every one of them are are horizontal things. They're going to pass away and you're going to be left holding the bag with with a hole in it, amen. And you're not going to have anything. But notice what he says is our glory. But let him that glory. But let him that glory. Glory in this. Glory in this. That he understandeth. That he understandeth me. And knoweth. And knoweth me. That I am the Lord. That I am the Lord. See, when you understand and know him, you won't think it's strange a fiery trial that's to try you. When you're in darkness, you won't think it's strange. You won't try to light your own fire and get out of it and try to work your way out of something. You'll understand that your glory is the fact that you understand him and know him because he came down from his glory. He came down to us. He was our savior. Amen. He has done everything for us. He can't do anything else to save us. It's up to you now. Don't you dare sit in church and and live your life uh, horizontally. It's time for the church to explode vertically and worship God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. But when you don't glory in the knowledge of God, you'll forget that you were delivered uh, he delivered you and that you were blind and now you're blind and can't see afar off the Bible says in, in the book of Peter you're blind and can't see afar off and, and so that's what I'm trying to get you to understand today that, that if you're blind and can't see afar off then you're not able to acknowledge God in all of his ways amen you, you don't have the knowledge and notice what he says according Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 1 notice what this verse says 3 says according to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He said all things. Why do I got to look out the church to try to get something? He's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. But when I live horizontally, I'm continually looking out to see what I want, what I what I want that, or I don't believe that, or I don't, but oh, he said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, man, all of a sudden things change in verse 3, according to his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through what? Through the knowledge of him that hath called you into glory and virtue. He's called you into that glory of knowing who he is. And that changes everything. Man, it'll put a, it'll put a song in your heart. But this world has its own uh, it has its own uh, uh, destiny. It wants to do things its own one way. Notice Psalms 106 verse 20 says. Thus they, 
Thus they what? They changed their glory. They changed their glory. See, now what's he talking about? The knowledge of God. Here, thus they changed their glory into what? Into a similitude of an ox. Of an ox. Can you believe that? And what's happened in America today? One nation under God, it has changed their glory from what God is doing or who God is. And they've made it into a creature, a, a similitude of an ox and everything else. Oh, I'm here to tell you why the Bible says in Romans, it says that, that you got to understand who Jesus Christ is. Amen. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful. Oh, we're living in that today. Neither would think, but came vain in their imagination. Oh, there it is. And the Bible says, we need to pull down every imagination, every high thing that exposes itself against the knowledge of God. Amen. Oh, I'm here to tell you, church, if you've ever wanted to know Jesus, you need to know Jesus right now. You're living in the last day. You're living in the last hour. And you better know who Jesus is. He is your glory, the knowledge of him. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 2.11 says. Hath a nation changed their gods? Oh, look at that. Now it's getting personal. Has a nation changed its gods? Which are yet no gods? Which are yet no gods? But my people I don't changed. care what this society says. There ain't a god among them. There's not even a little G god among them. You hear what I'm talking about? They're men just like we are. And, and if, if they don't do something about it, they're going to they're gonna see that God is real one day. Because the Bible said every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you think like you hear some preachers say, oh, when they're so bad that when they come before God, he casts them into outer darkness. They're going to go away cussing him. No, believe me, they're not going to cuss him because they're going to see him for the first time. They're going to see his glory for the first time. And they're going to say, oh, what did I do? And, and they're going to spend eternity away from God. You hear what I'm talking about? God's trying to shake us at this moment and get us to understand what he's trying to do. So hath the nation changed their gods, which are not yet gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which is not profit. Man, we just churches that are selling out they're becoming progressive and they're selling out this oneness message they're selling out the message of separation from this world and living with the holy God amen they're selling out from all these things and, and the Bible said that's what's going to happen when you forsake his glory when you, when you quit looking at him as God almighty Jesus is Lord of my life that's what we're talking about here a nation changed their gods notice Ezra 9.8 and now for a little space. Yeah, I like this. But, but see, all that was that they were rejecting. The, they didn't understand the glory of God. They didn't have their glory of God of knowing who he is. Uh, they, they refused to hear the word of the Lord. But notice what Ezra says. And now for a little space. I like that. And now for a little space. Grace. Oh, oh, wait. Now for a little space, grace. Hath been showed from the Lord our God. Has been shown from the Lord our God. To leave us a remnant to escape. Leave us a remnant to escape. And to give us a nail in his holy place. Nail in his holy place. That our God may lighten our eyes. 
and give us a little reviving in our bondage. Wow. You want reviving? Get to know Him. You want reviving? God's saying right now, some of you might be lost. Some of you might be backsliders. Some of y'all might be cold in the Spirit. But God said, today I'm going to give you a space of grace. I'm, I'm going to remove all the confusion for a few moments. And if you'll hear this preacher, my God's able to change your situation. He can change your marriage. He can change your children. He can change the city. He's giving us right now that space of grace that allows you to make the right decision. Hallelujah. You may be seated. It's tragic to go through our days making Christ the subject of our study, but not the substances of our soul. He needs to be a, it got to be down in our soul, amen. It's got to be inside of us that, that when we start talking about God, it explodes out of us. When we witness, it explodes out of us. God just gave me a young man, a young man, he's 50-something year old, the old pipe welder. Uh, everybody in the whole town where we're going to church at helping, uh, uh, they all know him, his, his uh, family owned the biggest restaurant that everybody was famous in. And he knows everybody. Well, man, he's 50, I think 55 or 57 years old. And so uh, he, he comes up to church and he don't know anything about Pentecost and, and uh, he, all he knew was when his hand got, got cut, this, this finger here, it, the blade cut it so bad that it stuck it inside of his hand. And so when he got to the hospital, he said, man, he said, I, I, I lost the finger. I couldn't find it. And the little old girl was Brother Johnson's daughter that was working there in the, in the ICU. He said, oh, oh, mercy, no, no, it, it's in there. It's just been over. It was kicked back into your bone. So here this guy is, he's a cripple, but he's still a welder. But man, we have Bible studies with him every Friday night, except when we're out of town. And Sister Aber cooks, or he'll bring a pizza, and we'll sit there and talk. And he's so hungry for God, he witnesses to everybody. There is nobody safe around this guy. Well, you know what, he's so crude. I don't know, he had a visitor last Sunday. He might not have been too crude, amen. I'm here to tell you, when God changes you, when God puts that fire in you, you can't keep it there. He said, I don't want to live horizontally anymore. So a few Sundays ago, he walks up to the front when everybody's worshiping, and he just looks at Sister Johnson. He says, I'm ready right now. Man, we prayed for him. He got the Holy Ghost, got baptized, and he is so on fire. It's not even funny. You know why? Because he found his glory was in knowing who Jesus Christ was. And when you know him and understand him, your past cannot stop you. See, man, uh, Pentecost has become so self-righteous. We, we, we have. And, and let me tell you something. that Humility is not denying oneself, but rather it means not thinking of oneself at all. Wow. Humility is when you don't even think of yourself. Paul didn't ever think of himself. And he just went wherever God called him to go. And see, that's what humility is. And God is trying to work out humility in our life. When he takes us into darkness, it's not to destroy us. It's not to, to uh, take away our confidence in him. But it's for him to illuminate and show us what's inside of us. So that that can be taken out by God. Amen. Because we live, um, we, everybody has pride, I'm sorry. And God says, you know what? If I got to take you through darkness to get rid of your pride, he said, that's what I'll do. Amen. 
So faith is developed in the darkness. Sometimes we go through darkness and we can see what's ahead of us. Or we can't see what's ahead of us and that begins to worry us. It's during those times nothing seems to make sense. You see, there's going to be five absolutes in your life. There's going to be five of them in your life that you're going to have to face every day. And the first one is, is everything changes and ends. You don't believe me, just look back on your life and see if everything didn't change and end at one time in your life. Amen. I remember my life changed and end when my dad died when he was 46. And then the next one is, things don't go according to plan. I know I talked to Ryan and Nicolette and, and they were having an addition on their house and guess what it didn't go according to plan <laughs> something else happened something else happened then the third one is pain is a part of life get used to it there's going to be pain pain is a part of life learn how to trust God through that pain when you're in darkness God said I'm going to illuminate some things to you and I'm going to show you how great I am yes, amen, amen. Then the next one is life's not fair. Yeah. All you young guys, you listen to me, life's not fair. You better get that one deep down because there's going to come times and you already did it when you was a kid. Mama, that ain't fair that I can't do that. Ain't fair. Man, I'm telling you, that's a part of life. We better learn how to say yes to it when God exposes it to us in darkness so that he can take that out. Amen. And the last one is that uh, um, family and friends aren't always loyal all the time. Everybody has a bad day. Amen. I said everybody has a bad day. So let's take a look and see. Sometimes we go through darkness and we can't see what's ahead of us. It's, going, it's, do, it's during these times nothing seems to make sense. Look at Job. Job was, you see, you know what? I, sometimes we, we hurt our congregation because we always talk about these great men of God in the Bible. And we only tell about the great things they did, but we don't tell about the darkness they went through. Amen. You ask anybody about Job. Oh, he was a perfect man. He was upright. No, he wasn't. Well, God said he was. If you notice, God told the devil. Have you considered Job? The devil didn't even know God was going to use him to take Job on a journey through darkness to perfect him. So because we say, oh, God said he, was per he wasn't perfect yet, but God knows from beginning to the end. He knew what he was going to do, amen. And the devil, boy, he, he, well, you know, if I take these things away from him, go ahead. The way his sin didn't, Job didn't sin with his lips. And then all of a sudden he got sores and everything. And after the sores and all the other, the other three plagues of him, all of a sudden now he, he's, 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 he said, I wish I wasn't even born in chapter 3. He went from a perfect man to saying, I wish I wasn't even born. You know why? Because he was in darkness. Things weren't going as planned. Every, things weren't working out. Uh, everything changed on him. Uh, uh, pain was now a part of his life. You hear what I'm talking about? His family and friends weren't loyal to him anymore. And we're seeing that. We're seeing all this. And life's not fair, God. I, I, I give you all this stuff. God said, oh, no, no, no. You were self-righteous. You had self-righteousness in you. You had the pride of life and he said well how, how do you know that brother because he said he said oh my kids are over there partying he said I, I think I might just have to make a sacrifice for every one of them uh, unless one of them hadn't lived right and so he thought he could make it right for his kids you hear what I'm talking about because he was somebody special but God said you are special you're so special I'm going to take you through darkness so look at Job 10 15 if I be wicked Woe unto me. He said, if I be wicked, now he's talking to God. If I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous. And if I be righteous. Yet will I not lift up my head? I am full of confusion. He said, man, I, I, I'm full of confusion. I think I'm righteous, but I'm full of confusion. Things aren't going according to plan. 
I didn't plan this out. That's not what I wanted. So we see in chapter 10, he says that I'm full of confusion. Amen. Therefore, see thou mine affliction. He said, God, you see where I'm at. See my affliction. Do something about it. Wow. Psalms 45, 15 says, my confusion is continually before me. And when we're plunged into deep confusion and despair, we often ask, why? Whenever you're going to darkness, you always say, why, God? Why? Why is this happening? And see, that's the problem. We want an explanation, but what we need is a revelation. You hear what I'm talking about? You don't need an explanation because his ways are, are not our ways. His ways are above our ways. I'll never understand why God does what he does, but I do know one thing. If I stay on the Lord, you hear what I'm saying? If I stay on the Lord, the Bible said he'll give me a revelation. You don't know like I know. When darkness is all around you and your family and friends are talking about you and everything's falling apart, just stay right there in darkness because God's with you and you sing out, you don't know like I know. I said, you don't know like I know what he's done for me. I get joy. I'm going to tell you something. That's what we need. You need to get to the place in your darkness that you trust God and you get joy and you get up and stand up and you worship God and you shout and you praise God with all your heart and there's nothing God can do. So when we're in darkness, we shouldn't really be asking why. We should be asking how is the important question for us right now. How? How? How are we going to respond? See, so many times as Christians, uh, we learn to react. We react to things. When, when somebody offends us, uh, we react to it. Uh, you don't talk to them. You go to the other side of the church or, or even in your family and stuff. And, and that's the problem. The world uh, knows how to react to things. You get on the road and, and somebody cuts you off and you react. What's wrong with you? But it's a difference between responding. God wants us to respond. See, when the doctor gives you medicine and, uh, and, and he says you're reacting to it, that means it's bad. You've got to stop taking it. But he gives you medicine and he says, oh, you're responding well. That's good. And God wants us to learn how to respond to things when we're in darkness. He wants us to learn how to wait on him. Amen. Wait on him. Because if we wait on him, then he's going to show us his glory. And when he shows us his glory, our knowledge of who he is, all of a sudden we understand he can do anything. My Lord. My God can do anything. Amen. Save the knucklehead like me, he can do anything. So... So we see that. We want an explanation, but what we really need is a revelation. So sometimes we feel like we hold up, we'll hold up under uh, something a lot easier if we could just know why. Why am I going through this, God? Uh, why, what's the problem? Is he God? If he's God, he knows everything. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So to the place where we have to really understand that it's not so much as uh, you have to know why. You, you got to make sure that you know how, how you're going to stand up there. Well, 
because of his glory. I've seen him. I understand him. I know of him. And I'm not going to think it's strange every fiery trial that's, to try, uh, that's going to try me if some strange thing's happening. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to worship God. But you're in darkness. I don't care. I don't care. My God's light. And when it comes time for the light, he's going to bring me a weeping endures for a night. But joy cometh. Oh, my goodness. What you're going through right now, you might be in darkness and you might be weeping, but just endure it because joy is going to come in the morning. Praise the Lord. Those of the greatest devotion when you read in the Bible may have been the deepest, have been in the deepest darkness, according to Isaiah 50:10, and it says. Uh, is not, it's not talking about someone who wandered away from God, but it's about someone who fears the Lord, respects the Lord, has the Lord, Lord in awe. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, when you come to church, you ought to be in awe. Yeah. You ought to be in awe that, man, out of, out of, what, almost 8 billion people, he saved you. Out of 8 billion people, he saved you. And one little boy, he was, a, he was adopted. He went to school, and the kids picked on him about being adopted. And, and uh, he, he came home crying. He said, what's the matter? He said, well, the kids said that y'all aren't my real daddy and mama, that I was adopted. And so uh, they said, son, uh, let me tell you something. A lot of those kids' parents didn't even want them. You could tell by the way they take care of them. But we hand chose you. We picked you. We wanted you in this family. And out of 8 billion people, God chose you. God handpicked you. When you listened to him, when he broke you with that revelation, and you came down to the altar, God put you in his family. You were adopted, amen? And God is going to keep doing that for people who are lost in this world. But we got to be the church. we got to be the church. Somebody say praise the Lord. Someone who has great respect and reverence for God, he who obeys the voice of God's servant, it says, watch out, because he said, you'll start your, if you don't have that respect, you're going to try to start your own fire, and that's never going to work out for you. Amen. There is a distorted idea that if you become a Christian, that's, see, that's what's wrong, is that we try to, uh, we try to save people. You know, God plants, waters, God gives the increase. God told us to be a witness unto him. Amen. But boy, we're more interested in seeing if they can get baptized real fast. And there's a time in revival when you do that. But, but not every time somebody comes, you don't have to beat them over the head. <clears throat> so there's this distorted idea that you come to you become a Christian. And that's what's with, with this young man that I'm working with now. Uh, man, he said, Brother Aber, I want to do this and I want to do that. And he got so much zeal and everything. And, and I'm talking to him and I'm teaching him how, how to, to allow God to use him to, to plant and then the water because he's got his family running scared, man. They lock the doors when he's on his way. And I said, no, no. I said, you don't have to do it that way. I said, just stop by every once in a while knock on the door and talk to him a little bit. And tell him, say, man, I'm doing so well since I've been in church. I don't want to hear anything about it. Okay, I love you. I'll see you later. And stop right there. What did you do? You've planted. You watered. Now let God give the increase. 
my parents, my mom didn't come in until two years after I was in church. But when she came, she came on her own. You hear what I'm talking about? And when she came, she interrupted the whole service. And when she came, she ran down to the altar. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost. She got baptized in Jesus' name. She had scoliosis of the spine. God healed her right there. Amen. You hear what I'm talking about? Try to start your own fire. Don't tell. I, I don't tell. I, I don't tell my this young man that I'm teaching. I don't tell him uh, that. Oh, it's going to be all joy. You got the Holy Ghost. It's going to be all joy because it's not going to be all joy. There's going to be some darkness. I, I I don't preach him a message of sunshine and blue bluebell ice cream. If you've been texting, you don't talk about that good ice cream. But I don't tell him it's going to be easy because so many times we think because somebody gets the Holy Ghost, we've done our job. When in reality, we need, to, we need to establish them. We need to talk to them. We need to minister to them because if you don't fellowship them, somebody else will. And God doesn't want somebody else to, 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 to fellowship them. He wants this church. He brought them to this church for a reason. And he wants us to fellowship with them. Amen. Uh, this was true in the, in the Bible, saints about about the darkness and everything, and how they went through it. Man, Habakkuk in chapter one, verse two. Notice what Habakkuk says. Now he's he's a prophet. Notice what he says. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? He said, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry? In other words, God, do you hear me? How long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear. And you won't hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence? Even when I cry out to you about violence, I'm going to tell you something. This world's getting more violent. It's getting more vile. Debauchery is running through our streets every day. And the world is getting worse and worse. And there's going to come a time you say, God, don't you hear me in the midst of all this violence? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And thou will not save? And you won't save? He said, man, I, I, I'm going to do it. You just hold on because right now you're in darkness, but I'm going to bring light to you. I'm going to bring understanding. Yeah. I'm going to bring wisdom. Yeah. I'm going to bring knowledge. Right. Amen? Yeah. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Yeah. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Uh -huh. Let patience have its perfect work. Why? When you're in darkness, if you light your own fire, you're going to work your way out of it. And have Y'all ever wonder why you go through the same trial over and over again? It's because you've never let God work you in that darkness that he puts you in to perfect you, to show you that when you come out, you'll come out in his image. Amen? And that's what, that, that's what God's trying to show us right now. So Habakkuk, uh, he went to God for answers to things that he couldn't understand. See, he, he, these Bible people, they're no different than us. We just make them sound like they're awesome. Because we never get to the point where we're good Pentecostal. We read one part of scripture, but we forget about the other part of the scripture. Because it doesn't speak as good as the first part of the scripture. Amen. Well, it'll tell us something that says but. And that word but is transitional. It takes you something good to bad or bad to good. And that's why you'll see us only read a part of that scripture because there's a but. And now said, well, we don't read that part. And then we feel guilty because we can't be like Job. He was perfect. He lost everything. Let me tell you something. Y'all need to, when we get to heaven, y'all are going to have to ask Job's wife to forgive y'all. You are. Brother Abram, she said, oh, won't you curse? She lost seven boys and three daughters. She was grieving. She was going through all this situation. 
She was seeing her husband. She saw how her husband treated people. When, when all this stuff happened to him, he said, uh, God, I'm mad these guys over here that are coming to the gate, they're mocking me. And I wouldn't even sit with their fathers. I wouldn't even let my dog sit with, you know, Job's. And his wife had to see all that and hear all that. And so God had to take her into darkness also. They didn't separate. They didn't leave. They didn't get mad at each other. God began to work on them. So uh, let, let me go on because it's important that we get to this right here. So John the Baptist, Matthew eleven eleven. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now notice nobody's risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He said, you're greater than he is. Some of y'all, y'all already in darkness. You're greater than he is. You understand what I'm talking about? God's put something inside of you that says you're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. Because Jesus is the one that conquers. You just get to be a recipient of that conquering. Amen. There's a verse in the Bible that says you don't have to fight this battle. This battle don't belong to you. This battle belongs to God. And when you're in darkness, you're going to fight your way. What are you going to fight? You can't see anything. But if you let the Lord fight your battle, victory, victory shall be mine. I said, victory, victory shall be mine. Oh, come on. Somebody shout praise the Lord. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 says. We are troubled on every side. Amazing. We're troubled on every side. Wait a second. Who wrote that? Paul. Apostle Paul. Remember the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? He said... He said, we're troubled on every side. Yet not distressed. You see, when he was in darkness, he didn't worry. Because he knew God. He had that revelation. He was broken. He knew what God's glory was. And he said, man, we're troubled on every side. He said, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. We're perplexed. But not in despair. Not in despair. How many times do we go in darkness and we get perplexed and we despair and we get upset and we want to know why, God, why, 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 why? Well, I tell you what, my dad, you only said why once. And you'd hear that 36-inch bell got thoop, 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 thoop out of them loops of that pants. You never ask him why again because you knew because he told you. And God wants to take care of all your situations if you quit trying to light your own fire in darkness. When you quit trying to illuminate something and, and, and let the devil kind of play tricks on you and, and get you tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Amen? So 2 Corinthians, this is what uh, Paul called, uh, uh, this is good. 2 Corinthians 4, 15 and 17. <clears throat> for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might... So all things are for your sake, that the abundance of grace... Might through thanksgiving of might many... Might through thanksgiving... Redound to the glory of God. That means that you will uh, uh, acknowledge the glory of God. That's what redound means. Is it means you acknowledge. 
See, our problem is, is we quit acknowledging His glory. We quit acknowledging that our glory is to know Him and understand Him. And so we don't acknowledge Him that way anymore. Well, Jesus, or, you know, God, we love you, but, but it, it's 12 inches from our heart. It's just coming from our lips. It's not anything changing, amen. But God's trying to show us today that He's going to do something great. And you stay with me just a few more minutes. Notice what He says. For which cause we faint not. He said, for which cause we faint not. He said, man, I'm not going to faint. He said, why? For the things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. You don't have to faint, brother. I'm tired. No, you're not. You're not tired. You're tired mentally because you're fighting everything horizontally. You're not tired because you didn't get enough sleep. You're tired because mentally your mind is always going and you're worrying about this and you're worrying about that. You're trying to light a fire here and you're trying to light a fire there. I, I got to do something. I got to do this. And I don't know how this is going to work out. I know how it's going to work out. Take your hands off of it and say, God, you're God. I'm not. Acknowledge his glory in your life. Somebody say praise the Lord. So notice what he says. But though our outward man perish. Now our outward man's going to perish. Get used to it. I'm 67. Just turned 67 July 18. The outward man perish. Yeah. And that's the truth. Getting old is not for sissies. Man, I go to bed feeling fine. Wake up with a pain somewhere. Amen. Mm -hmm. I laid down on the, on the ground in the barn and I rolled over and this my side hit the, the, where the extension cord came together and, and I couldn't hardly move my back was just all, and that, that's just from laying down and rolling over Lord <laughs> notice what he says for this cause we faint not but though our outward man perishes this outward man is going to perish but the inward man is what it's going to be renewed day by renewed day. day by day that's why you come to church that's why you don't miss bible study that's why you get involved in everything you can why because i'm going to die daily amen i'm going to let this old man die and it's going to be renewed day by day every time i clap my hands i'm getting renewed Every time I worship, I'm getting renewed. Every time I shout, I'm getting renewed. Somebody say praise the Lord. Friend, the apostolic church is not a Tesla. We went to Costco and Ryan showed me all those cars were parked and they're plugging them in, man. Plugging them in, plugging them in. I don't know how long it takes to, to get one of them things going again for a long distance, but, but God don't work that. He's not a Tesla. Amen. He renews you day by day. Man, he, he, he gives you the power to overcome day by day. Man, there's no shadow of turning. There's no changing in my God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our life source. Amen. So notice what he says, though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. And now notice what he says. For our light affliction. Now, how many of y'all feel like you've just been afflicted? Really honestly, how many times have you thought, boy, this, I can't take this affliction anymore. I just can't, I can't do this, God. Uh, God, I'm, about, I'm at my wit's end. God, 
God says, good, I've got you in the darkness a little bit. I'm putting you in darkness because you don't know what to do. So I'm going to show you what I can do if I can just get you in that darkness long enough. So that I can develop your faith. And when I develop your faith, then you come out the other side perfect, the entire wanting nothing. That's what he was doing to Job. And so he said, uh, he said for, the, uh, for all these things for your sake, uh, that the abundance of, abundance of grace might through the thanksgiving uh, redound, it says, for which cause uh, the outward man perish, but the inward man is renewed day by day. But then he says, for our light afflictions, which are but for a moment. Everything you go through is but for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. The, by, in fact, the Bible says life is a vapor. It's, 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 it's just a moment. You might think it's a long time, but it's not that long of a time. And so he's telling them there, he said, uh, for our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, worketh for us. Worketh for us. He said, when I got you in darkness, I'm developing your faith. It's working for you. It's, it's showing you something. It's working for you. Exceed an eternal weight of glory. In other words, you don't see him better than you ever saw him. He's going to show you something different about him. And you're going to shout and say, oh my, I love you Jesus so much. Man, I, I ain't going to let the devil hoodwink me. So notice, here we are, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, 9. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry. Pause. I, I rejoice not that you were made sorry. But that you sorrowed to repentance. That you sorrowed to repentance. See, when God takes you in darkness, he's not putting you in darkness to, to harm you. He's getting you to sorrow to repentance. He's wanting you to be illuminated to what's inside of you. Get mad at other people outside of your darkness. It's God has you in there because He's working on you. He's going to develop you. He's going to develop your faith. Your faith is weak. I don't know why. God said, so You don't need to know why. I'm not going to give you an explanation, but stay with me and I'm going to give you a revelation. Go ahead. For you were made sorry, sorry after a godly manner. You see, when you're made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. You might receive damage as us by nothing. Go ahead. For godly sorrow worketh repentance. Now notice, godly sorrow worketh repentance what? To salvation. To salvation. Repentance is not salvation. You still need to be baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost. But godly sorrow worketh uh, in us. It worketh for us. And, and he's seeing that, that what is happening right now, that it worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. In other words, when you're in darkness and God reveals to you and illuminates you and you get that revelation when you come out, man, don't go back to that. Don't look back. Man, cast off darkness. Cast off those things. Because God's taking you somewhere. He's fixing to show you how to witness to somebody and, and you're going to change their life. Go ahead. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Sorrow of the world, world worketh death. For behold, this self-same thing that you sorrowed after a godly he said, sort. He said, the self-same thing you sorrowed after a godly sort in your repentance. When you're repenting, when you're in darkness, Notice what the scripture says. Notice how Paul writes this. Now you're, you're, you're repentant. You're in darkness, man. You, you, don't, you don't know what to do, man. These light afflictions, you just know, if I stay with God, they're going to be but for a moment. Now, if I work my way out, I'll have to keep going right back through the same thing over and over and over again. He said, <clears throat> but man, he said, here's where we're at right now. He said, I'm in, I'm in darkness and I'm repenting. Go ahead. What carefulness is See, this is what repentance in brings in you. 
What carefulness it wrought in you. You remember the first time you saw God? Remember the first time his glory was exposed to you? And you got that revelation of who Jesus Christ was? What did repentance do? Man, repentance is what carefulness it wrought in you. You didn't come down haphazardly. You didn't come slapping people on the back and say, hey, man, this is a good day to get saved. No, 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 no. You came down carefully. Why? You repented. You're in darkness. And God's beginning to show you some illumination. He's starting to show you some revelation. And it says, what carefulness it wrought in you. When I came into this church for the first time, I came down carefully. Amen. I interrupted the whole service. They were just singing and I come up and I, you know what? I, I don't know what that singing is, but I know one thing. I'm coming down carefully, man. I knew I had to do it right then. God gave me that space of grace where he removed all the confusion. I ran that altar and said, what carefulness it wrought in you. When you're in darkness, what carefulness it wrought in you. What's the next thing? Yea, what clearing of yourself. See, that's what repentance does. Yes. You come down carefully and then you clear yourself. You save yourself from this untoward generation. You purify yourself. When you come down carefully, you begin to let God take things. And he's showing you. I, I didn't know some things were wrong, but the longer I stayed in that altar of repentance, all of a sudden he said, oh, I came down carefully. And, and, and then he begins to deal with me. And he, he begins to tell me that, that you need to clear yourself. So I started just asking God to forgive me for all kinds of stuff. But I knew I didn't ask him to forgive me for everything because there was things I didn't remember. But he illuminated me to the fact that there's things still there that I need to take care of. So repentance, you come down carefully, you clear yourself. Yea, what indignation. Man, when I came down carefully and I cleared myself, indignation. What's indignation got to do with, with repentance? Man, you start seeing sin the way God saw it. That's why 44 years later, I'm still here preaching because back on April 9th, 1980, I saw sin the way God saw it. I saw how ugly it was. I saw how it tears families apart. I saw how it made me a drug addict. I saw how it made me just be disrespectful to everybody. But oh, when I came down carefully and I cleared myself. I got this righteous indignation, amen. I saw sin the way God saw it. Amen. And then what's it say? The next step. Yea, what fear? Yea, what fear? Again, not me knocking fear. No, that means respect. That word there means respect. When I came down carefully and I cleared myself and I saw sin the way God saw it, I respected him too much to go back and do the same thing I was doing. Amen? I left it right there on the altar. I walked away from it. I never smoked again. I never used drugs again. I didn't ever go into the place of the world. You know why? Because God began to give me revelation. He began to develop me. My faith was being developed developed in darkness I don't care what you're going through it might be the darkest time but God wants to develop your faith so after fear after your respect for God he said this is the next thing that comes in, in God but when you're repenting Yea, what vehement desire that word vehement desire means strong passionate desire to do the will of God you ever see a new convert when they get saved? You can't embarrass them. They're going to shout. They're going to jump. That's like Brother Greg that I'm teaching about. Man, you, you ain't going to embarrass him. 
Man, he, he's out there. You know why? Because, man, he got this vehement desire. I got to talk to people, Brother Abraham. How do I talk to people? How, how do I do this? And we sit down and we discuss things. And, and we sit around the dinner table and we feed him. And, and he doesn't have family. He got boys that live away from him. And, and, and he's sitting there and he just loves being He can drink a gallon of coffee, man. I, I tell you, it comes the time when, man, I just, like, man, I, I'll make you another pot, but I'm going to bed, man. I, I, he, he loves to know more about God. That's what his desire is. He got this vehement desire to do the will of God. Yep. And what's the next one? Yea, what zeal. Yea, what zeal. Man, you, you ever see a new convert when they get the Holy Ghost and get baptized? The zeal, you ever see the zeal they have? Yeah. Oh, come on now. Some of y'all had it at one time. But you've lost your glory, your knowledge of who he is. You need to say, yeah, I know what, I'm kind of older and, and, and no, 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 that don't make any difference. If I get in a wheelchair, they better put rubber tires because I'll bounce that thing if I have to to worship God. I'm here to tell you, you're never too old to lift your hands. You're never too old to run around this church. You're never too old to shout amen. I'm almost through. Amen. Then what's the next thing that it brings? Yea, what revenge? That's my favorite one. Somebody asked me one time, well, how can revenge be a part of, of repentance? Well, when I was in the world, I did a lot of bad things. Amen? But when I got in church, I took revenge on the devil. I used to party all night. Now we've had prayer meetings all night. I, I, you know, I used to do the things of the world, but now I do the things of God. You, you understand what I'm saying? God began to give me revenge. I, I didn't know what tithing was. I saw an envelope and a, a guy said, I said, what's that right there? And he said, that's a tithing envelope. What that means? He said, well, uh, the Bible says we're to give God uh, the first 10% uh, of our earnings. And I thought, man, that's awesome. I used to have to give the devil. I got paid on Friday, and by Saturday, the devil took all of my paycheck. So every time I pay my tithes, I get revenge on the devil. Every time I shout, I used to shout at a ball game, but now every time I shout, I get revenge on the devil. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let God develop your faith in the darkness. I got to shut this down. I got to shut this down. We talked about Job and man, I, I, I'll give you scripture after scripture after scripture where Job, uh, he said uh, that God broke him with a tempest and multiplied my wounds without cause. That's what he said. God, you, you've done this without cause. Does that sound like a perfect man? Sounds like one that's going to be made perfect. It sounds like he's in darkness, amen. Notice what Job 9, 27, 28, Job expressing his willingness to forgive God for the wrongs that he had done for him. That's what that scripture talk about. I'll forgive you for what you've done for me, God. You see, he never called on to the fact that he's in darkness because of the pride of life. And God began to deal with him and God began to take things out of his life there. Uh, Job uh, 9, 32, the real meaning uh, seems to be God's not human, so he can't understand my sorrows. That's what he said there. Job, uh, excuse me, uh, let me take thy rod away. Oh, it says, let him take thy rod from me and let not his fear terrify me. Now he's talking to God. Then would I speak and not fear him. 
but it is not so with me. And so if you really read that, what he said, he says, God, if you were my size, you wouldn't be doing this. That's how self-righteous he was. Because of all the good things he had done and all the things he obtained in this world, everything he had was, was uh, horizontally. But God was trying to get him to the place where he had to see him vertically. He heard about God, but he didn't know God. Oh, brother, Abraham, be careful what you say. Let me, let me just finish this. Job 10, 1 and 2, God, uh, Job expressed bitterness against God. He also demonstrated that he was unaware of his sin by asking God why he was contending with me. Why are you contending with me, God? See, he wanted to know why. He wanted to know why. He wanted, he wanted an explanation, but God said, did you hang in there? I'm going to give you a revelation. <laughs> you still got a long ways to go, son. I can tell by the way you're talking. And then, uh, then we see in Job 11.4, uh, Job had claimed that his innocence was known to all. He, he told God, everybody knows how good of a man I am. And God didn't take that. God, you know what? I didn't even hear that. You might as well go put that one somewhere else. Amen. And then Job 12.9 says, uh, the men uh, knew the way, uh, the men knew God had a way of reducing the proud, but he failed to recognize that it was him that God was reducing. Amen? See, a lot of times we have the pride of life. We don't know that when we're in darkness that God's trying to reduce us. He's trying to get us to the place where we, we, we get our glory back, our knowledge of him, our understanding of him. And so God's trying to do that for us. God set darkness in the path of Job, man. Isn't that unbelievable? Notice what the Bible says. Job 19.8. What's it say, Sister Abram? He hath fenced up my way. He has fenced up. And that's Job. All these things he's complaining about. And he comes to the place where he's fenced up my way. That I cannot pass. That I cannot what? He, that I cannot pass. I can't pass. And he has set darkness oh, in my path. He has set darkness in my path. Maybe you're going through something right now. Maybe you're in darkness, but God is the one that set that darkness. Don't you dare think the devil did that. The devil has no power over you if you're in church, if you're with God, if you're serving him. And when it comes to dark, God set darkness in front of Job because he had to work out the pride of life. And he kept him in that darkness until there came a time in Job's life to where, guess what he said? He said, oh God, he said, uh, in the last chapter, he finally says, Lord, I've heard thee with my ears. You know, it's a lot of you've heard about God with your ears. But Job says, but now I've seen thee with my eyes. He said, I'm a sinner. Oh, it took all those chapters to get him to the place. All that darkness got him to the place where he said, I've heard thee with my ears, but now I see thee with my eyes. He said, I'm a sinner. He sat down in the sackcloth and ashes. And guess what God said? Now go talk to your friends. They'll listen to you. Now go talk to your family. They'll listen to you. In the midst of your darkness, what you're going through right now, if you understand that God is the one that has put that darkness in your way so that he can illuminate what's in your heart, so you can take that out, so you can minister to your family, to your husband, to your wife, to your children, to your neighbors. God takes us, he says, darkness before us for a reason. And, and here, you know, what's that scripture that everybody loves about Job? Though he slay me. What's he say? Yet will I trust him. See, that's one of the Pentecostal scriptures. But it has another word to but. We think it's going negative. Yeah. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Woo! But I'll maintain my old ways. I'll do it my own way. I'll, I'll, I'll make my own fire. That, that's, that's there. 
And see, that's our problem when God has us in darkness and he's trying to work on us. Well, God, uh, man, I'm going to do it my way. Though you slay me, yet will I serve you, but I'm going to do it my way. See, a lot of people in church, they, they do it their way. They don't want to follow what the Word of God says. They, they think, well, I don't have to do that. I don't have to. No, 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 it's not about that. It's about God taking you in darkness to illuminate you so that you can see what you're supposed to do so you don't go through these same trials over and over again. Musicians, please come and get ready. So darkness, darkness can never chase away light. Light always chases away darkness. You know, years ago, and I hope Ryan and Nicolette don't mind me saying this, but when they got the news that Jojo has Down syndrome, it, it, you know, that's like the devil blowing hot air on you. You got all this expectation, you got all these things, and you're all happy and everything, and then the devil comes along and he tries to devastate you. And all of a sudden you find yourself in darkness and you're wanting to know why. But God said, I got you in darkness. The devil don't got you in darkness. I'm going to tell you why. And Ryan said something to me one time that after all this had happened, all these things were going down and, 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 and he was grieving. And, and man, he was so, he was talking to God in darkness. And God showed him. In this darkness, I'm going to show you something about Jojo. I'm going to show you what unconditional love is. And God gave Ryan a revelation of what God's unconditional love is. He meets our every need. And when Jojo came along, Ryan learned that he is the one that is going to, he's going to minister to Jojo. He's going to take care of Jojo. Why? Because that unconditional love. You can't forget about it. You can't walk away from it. It's there. Amen. And that always stuck with me and it's brought me so much faith in my life. And when I see Jojo and I see him now, man, you just got to smile. You just got to laugh because he's a cool kid, man. He's really cool. And he got a little deal on his iPad and he said, Paul, Grammy. <laughs> I like that. Amen. And then my other daughter, my other daughter, my other child, Leslie, her and Chris were so excited. They were going to Women's Hospital and they were going to uh, go get their ultrasound. They're going to see their baby for the first time. And they're all excited about it and everything. And, and uh, when they uh, get to the doctor, uh, the PA comes, a physician assistant, and said, oh, we got bad news. And, and uh, basically told them you, you really needed to abort the baby, that the baby's going to have so many deformities and everything that, that there's no way that uh, it's going to live a normal life. And, and here, Leslie and Chris were all excited proud parents you know and all of a sudden now they're in darkness a cold front blew in torrential rains came down of, of doubt they got in their car and they began to drive back to Angleton and they didn't say a word to each other not one word and they went straight to the church he opened up the doors of the church and they went down to the altar and even though Cash wasn't born yet, Chris and Leslie sat there and said, God, we know he's fearfully and wonderfully made and we dedicate him to you right now. You see, God was developing their faith in darkness. They didn't let the devil bring bitterness in hatred in or the why question in 
But they just surrendered it to God. And on that altar that day, they both got peace. And every time they went back, there was a little report about, you know, something's still wrong, something's still wrong. That little kid is on the go 24-7 now. He's met all of his markers. Everything's going great. But I believe that the reason that that went through there like it did was because they had to go through darkness so that God could develop their faith. And once God developed their faith, nothing's going to turn them around now. Because in darkness, God develops your faith. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In darkness, what are you faced with today? Remember that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Some of you here today, God has given you that space of grace where he's allowed you to hear something that made you understand that I do need to see God. I do need a revelation of who Jesus Christ is because in that darkness, I always fumble, always stumble, always do something wrong. My life's falling apart. Everything horizontally is falling apart. But God's trying to get you to understand that if you come to this altar today, you can find a vertical relationship with Him. And you can lift up your eyes and in your darkness, you're going to see a great light. And God's going to give you a revelation of who He is. Job, I've heard thee with my ears. But now, God, I see thee with my eyes. He was broken by revelation. And that's when God said, go talk to your friends. You know why our friends don't listen to us? It's because we haven't allowed God to illuminate who he is fully in our life. There should be a passion. There should be a burden. In the day that we're living in, uh, there should be so many fathers and dads that come to this altar and say, you know what, God? I need to make right with you because I see what's coming. Moms need to come to the place that they, they tell their husbands, man, I love you so much. I want to see you saved. And husbands and their wives, I want to see you saved. And, and children, I want to see them saved. And I want to see the community saved. It's because that God, when he, he puts us in darkness, He's developing us. When I was young, we didn't have iPhones and cameras. So you'd take a picture, you'd have to send it off, and they would go in a dark room, and they would develop it. And when they came out of the dark room, you had this beautiful picture. And see, that's how it is right now, today, right here, in First Church. You might be in a dark room, but the devil didn't put you there. It says, Job said, God set darkness before me. God's trying to develop something in you. And if you'll stay around an altar long enough, he'll take you out of that darkness. And he's going to show you that now you're in his image. Complete, entire, wanting nothing. Wanting nothing. Hallelujah. I want you to seek your heart right now. 
I want you to forget about everything else right now. Church, I want you to ask yourself if you've really, really been broken by that revelation. Do you really, really, with all your heart, want to serve Him? And, and, or have you been kind of slacking off? Have you been kind of being caught up and entangled with the things of this life? Young people, do you really, really want to know God so that you can make an impact on your generation? Men, do you really, really want to make an impact? Do you want to be a man of God? Anybody can live in the world. Anybody can go buy drugs. Anybody can go uh, buy something to drink. But it takes a man of God to stand up for what's righteous. And when God takes him through the darkness, he stays there until he sees what he needs to see. Did you know that the stars never go away? Did you know that? I want you to listen to me. This is important. Stars never go away. You just can't see them because it's daytime. But at nighttime, you can see the stars. And what I'm trying to say to you is when God develops your faith in the light, don't let the devil take it away when you go into darkness. I, I just, I can't see, Lord. I can't see how this is going to work out. But when he puts you in the darkness, at night you look up and you can see stars that's so far away that you can't even imagine in your mind how far away they are because in darkness, you can see further. Daytime, you see clearer. But at nighttime, you see further. And if you're going through something right now, if you're in darkness, I want you to lift up your eyes to God. He's going to show you who He is. You're going to find His glory in darkness because you can see further. I, I, I don't know why I'm going through this darkness, but I know further down the road, God's going to make me like Him. God's going to put me in His image so He can show me off to everybody. These altars are open. I wish everybody would come up here for just a few moments. I wish everybody would come up. Young people, I wish you'd come up until you stay here, until you find that, re that, that revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Visitors, I wish you'd come up here and stay with us for a few minutes and just talk to God and tell God, God, start a work in me. God, start a work in me. If you're, if you're going through darkness, let God develop that faith in you. Let God change your situation. Let God deal with you in a mighty way. He wants to show you. He wants to give you that revelation just like Job. All the things that Job went through and at the very end, he said, I've heard thee with my ears, but now I've seen thee with my eyes. A lot of you have heard a lot of preaching in this church, but have you really seen the Lord? Have you really saw Him? Has he broken you with a revelation? Oh, church, it's time that we sell out. It's time that we sell out. Revenge on the devil. So we need to get revenge on the devil. Right now, you praying, you're getting revenge on the devil. Right now, as you begin to worship God, you're getting, the, you're getting revenge on the devil. Right now, every time you lift your hands, you're getting revenge on the devil. Come on, church. God has you here for a reason. And He wants to make an impact. And He wants people to understand that if they ever come to Him, they can have a vertical relationship with a God that can meet every one of their needs. Let go of the things horizontally.
Come on, let go of all the things horizontally. Don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. Let go of all those things. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your voice to God. explosion that people would drive by and they would come in. You know why? Because they don't feel a familiar spirit. They feel a Holy Spirit. They, they feel something different in this building. That's why we all need to make sure that when we are in darkness, we let God develop us. We got to let God take us through the again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus name.